I'm Pete Race. I'm Barry Worthington. I'm Adam Pendlebury. I'm Charlie Keegan. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. Preston away, nailed on win, half time. I thought it was coming, gets a full time, but very frustrated, feeling a bit dejected and a massive opportunity missed with nobody in the bottom nine picking up three points. In fact, everybody lost. What did we make of the game? I suppose like most people share their opinion that we were very much on top in the first half. I felt all the way through the first half, we need another goal, we need another goal, kill Preston off because Preston, especially in that first half, were utter rubbish. They kept saying on the commentary that how much Preston lacked confidence and they seemed very fragile, get another goal, we'll kill them off. And I thought, absolutely right, but we just never really came close to getting another goal. And then second half, fine margins and so on, and bad refereeing decisions, and uh, we're 2-1 down, and we couldn't find a way back into the match. It was it was very, very disappointing, because I don't think anybody would really argue that um, we weren't the better team. I think Sean Maloney had a slightly different view. We didn't deserve to win. We didn't deserve to lose. But I think for most people, I think the main reason it was frustrating was because we probably were the better team. The stats from the game, I'll just run through those quickly. 51% of possession to Preston, we had 49. They had seven attempts, we had 14. Three on target, Lassix had four. Three corners for Preston, Lassix seven. Committed 13 fouls apiece. Preston picked up three yellows on one red. Lassic's picked up one yellow, Danel Sinane, and there were 17,842, including 3,721 away supporters, which made, in the hall, in the main, for, for a good atmosphere in the away end, it was quite bouncing in that first half. Uh, I know what you're saying, though, Peter, about the fact that we didn't capitalise when we had the opportunity to do so if we'd have got that second goal. I've got a Preston fan, Martin. Let's have a little listen to what he says. First half... We were poor, very poor. However, that's how we've played all season. Quite rightly, you were 1-0 up. Really, you needed more. We would have been finished at half-time, dead and buried, wouldn't we? Came out second half when he gave the penalty. At no moment in my thinking did I even consider it was a penalty or even think about it. I was just watching the ball. My instinct was, can't believe he's given that. And I've watched it back since. And yeah, it's never a penalty, is it? And then, unfortunately for you guys, we get one. We get the second. I did say if we got one, then we could easily go on to win this. Because, unfortunately, despite the fact you were much better than us in the first half, quality of your team, just in general, is a little bit lacking. And that's probably why you're the bottom end of the championship. So a better team would have put us out of sight first half, wouldn't they? I think we were very lucky to get a win. Probably would have been lucky to get a draw. And actually, that penalty that for me weren't a penalty has unfortunately changed the game, hasn't it? We went into the game, didn't we? Preston were out of form. I don't think we were brilliant in the first half, but we were better than a very poor Preston side. They got booed off at half time. I think if we'd have held on till the 60th minute, I think it probably would have started to turn a little bit toxic. They don't seem to be really liking Ryan Lowe anyway. And then we could have killed the game off. I just think that that was the turning point. Not because, you know, we were a side who were playing so well, more to the point that we were probably going to battle to a win. You know, one of those 
poor performances, but you get a win, which is what you need when you're at the bottom. Or the top, for that matter. We did it a few times last season. Get over the line. But when a referee gives a terrible decision like that, it just turned the game. It gave them a bit of confidence. Our heads dropped a little bit. That was disappointing. I think Maloney probably alluded to that. You know, we, we shouldn't be losing confidence just on conceding a goal, which wasn't actually our fault. But the second goal was terrible, wasn't it? I mean, really poor defensively. We often puffed, didn't we, after that? But not really. We didn't really get the um, momentum that we needed. Yeah, that penalty, absolute shocking decision. I've not seen one person who said they thought it was a penalty. Johnson got to the ball first. It was his ball all the way through. He's nicked it across the six-yard box. His momentum's carried him into Amos. Amos hasn't brought him down. If anything, it's a foul on the Latics keeper. But it wasn't even that. It was just a nothing, and they give the penalty. I thought it was a very, very tough decision to make in the sense of giving it as a stonewall penalty because when Johnson got played through and he's going down that left side, you saw that, I don't know if he tried to shoot or play it across the box. I think it got registered as a shot. He's tried, He's got rid of the ball, so he's no longer in control, no longer in possession. So anything after that phase of play, the ball is wherever he's sent it. Amos is down to try and cover his near post, try and cover that right-hand side. He's sort of planted his knee and Johnson has his knee slightly to the point where he's hurt Amos, but then... Johnson, you know, it was a great little acting performance off the side, thinking that he was down, maybe going to miss the rest of the season with a really bad injury. But the referee, to, to give that as a penalty, I thought it was a shocker. That wasn't the first bad decision of the game and it wasn't the last bad decision of the game. And he wasn't the only referee to make really poor decisions on the weekend as a whole. But I really don't know what the EFL need to do to try and get, is it more training to get to these refs? Is it more analysis of situations like this and to go right in this situation you know, speak to a linesman, speak to somebody, try and figure it out. And if you're not sure, don't give something as stonewall as that because they do change the game. And yes, we collapsed. I think within seven minutes of that, we were two one down. But the decisions like that, it's just it's not right in this in the game. Tom Bramall just... been promoted quickly through the ranks. He's only been refereeing since I think 2019. He's only got about 100 games under his belt. He's now a Premier League referee. The majority of his penalties this season that is awarded have come in the Premier League, where he's aided and abetted by VAR. Does that then lend to this, where he's a little bit rusty? If, if it's a VAR, he can award a penalty, and then he gets called to go and have a look at it again and change his mind. But he can't do that in the Championship, because it doesn't happen. There was also an incident in the second half. Max Power allowed himself to be tackled, so the ball would be nicked out for a corner, and, and the assistant give a, a dead ball. I mean, that was right in front of Adam. I couldn't believe that. It's like even the players were getting ready set, weren't they, for the corner? Sometimes you can pick up off, you get a clue off the body language of the players is usually a good clue. Like with the penalty, you know, was anyone screaming and shouting for that penalty? No. Take a little bit of a clue. And accountability as well. I don't like the idea of Premier League refs dropping down these days because there's no accountability to referees in the Premier League. They get a get-out-of-jail card if they make a mistake. Unless they're absolutely arrogant, they go to the screen and they get out of jail for an awful decision. There's no accountability. So for me, you go to the Premier League, if you're not having a good spell, you go back to training. You don't come that. Why should we get cast-offs from the Premier League and the EFL? That's my view. Come on, we're right. We've done our moaning about the referee, justifiably so. But of course, that that, that cost us cost us the game. But let's face it. And I think Sean Maloney was absolutely right in his the way he phrased it. We shouldn't have, uh, have ever been in the position where that play was was running in on goal in the first place. You don't like you don't like to 
you know, put players up against the wall, individual players. But I mean, that that goal came from uh, a Charlie Hughes mistake. And sadly to say, I think the second one did as well. The first one, he goes up for a header, challenges for the header, misses it. Okay, fair enough. But then he, he stays and tries to tackle, misses the tackle. And then he's a big defence. He's come so far upfield. There's nobody covering for him then. So that's a, a team mistake. And, and the players then find it hard to... West Preston players then find it easy to get through. The second goal was much worse, I think, from all, from all points of view. You had two of all, who in the first half, I thought, were our best players, Char, uh, Charlie Hughes and Jack Watmo. Two of them marking one player. Watmo com- comes in front of him to cut out uh, the ball coming to him. But Charlie gets on the wrong side of him and we we, we saw the result. Uh, but that should never have happened that two players let one player through like that for that second goal. Um, and of course, we had so many, we're talking about defence there, but up front, it's a long time since we've had so many shots in one game, I would think. And we just wasted them. Our shooting was terrible. It's encouraging that we had so many shots, but let's not think that that result was all down to the referee we had enough ways of being able to get back in the match and we didn't take them. You're not bottom of the championship after 33 games, though, if you're a good side, are you? Because <laughs> that's what no, we exactly. are. You know? yeah. And I think I think the bottom seven or eight in this division uh, aren't good sides and we're in that mix. Just thinking, though, about what, what Pete said, because I wasn't on last Sunday and I, I wanted to say that I've loved Charlie Hughes coming in and I think he's been brilliant. The way he strikes the ball... And generally, his defence, his defensive play has been good. But I'd like to see more consistency with some of our fans. They get on the backs of certain players after the slightest mistake. We've now played two consecutive games where actually you'd look at it. Charlie Hughes made three bad mistakes. One of them last week could have cost what more his season. And that wasn't mentioned last week because he was the one who made the ball. I think the ball went under him or he missed it or something. And what more did brilliantly to get across? We thought he might be out for the season. Look, I would never get on his back. But the point I'm making is that we have certain players who are almost like bomb-proof, whereas others, like Max Power, slight bad touch, that's it, he's the worst player in history, and Derek were. I just think if you're going to be crit- critical, be consistently critical, rather than having a goal and being a, basically picking on two or three players. I, I prefer to just say, look, everyone makes mistakes. You know, it happens. You know, we're not having a go at them on here, but we, you, we've got to analyse what we see. And yesterday, mm. Hughes for the first goal and Hughes and Watmore for the second goal weren't great. So I think that's that's what we've got to do. We're bottom of the championship. We know what we are. We know what our limitations are. I think the, the, the time for getting on the players' backs and having a go was probably October, November. No, it doesn't matter because we've got what we've got. We need to back these players 100% and lift them. So they make a mistake. Instead of criticising and being critical and jeering when they when they get substituted, we need to be lifting the players in games and, and, and getting really getting behind them. On Saturday, we play Birmingham City. That is a game that we, I don't care how you look at it, but we have to win that game. That is a must win. And we have to beat teams like Birmingham, Queen's Park Rangers, Rotherham United, and Blackpool, them are the teams that we have to win, we have to beat. And we'll not get it if we start nitpicking at players. The substitute yesterday, uh, substitution, I just mentioned somebody got jeered when he went off, but Dan Elsinani came on. And, and for me personally, 
I thought he had his best game for, for the last six so far since we signed him from Norwich. I think he definitely did. He, um, he impressed me when he came on and he was somebody who just tried to take the game to Preston. We we kind of, after the second goal went in for Preston, we did look a little bit shell-shocked and how are we going to try and get into this? But then there was a whole team push and it was like, right, we need to just not put our heads in the sand. They need to just get forward now. And when Sonani came on, I thought that he was one that really, really took the game to him. A lot of his shots were coming from outside the box. He was really trying to get in to good positions. He played that really good ball through to Callum Lang to try and cut the defence open. He was a little bit creative and we'd lacked that for most of the second half up until he came on. There was a big momentum in the first half that I really hoped we could have carried on to the second because at halftime I thought, as a lot of people thought, as soon as this second goal goes in for Wigan, we can put the game to bed quite easily, like they're there for the taking. But then it really, really lulled after the decisions. But no, I was very impressed with Sonani. Whether he's better as a super sub rather than starting, I'm not sure. So going forward, do we keep him on the bench and put him on for the last you know, 30, 35 minutes or not? I, I don't know. What I like was that he, he just he wanted the ball and he was comfortable on it. And he tried things as well. He created space for himself. Obviously, at that really good shot. He seemed to have some sort of like, what I would say is almost a free roll. When you're in a free roll, you've got to affect the play going forward because otherwise you're playing with 10 men and that's what I think he's been doing for the first three three games that he played just didn't do anything defensively or attacking maybe a couple of corners against Blackburn but which I was surprised yesterday he didn't take the corners did he uh, when McLean was on yeah very good uh, certainly he did more in 20 minutes attacking wise than the rest of them had done in the entire game coming back to the pass that Sinani played through for Lang what was interesting about that was that Callum Blank hesitated, didn't he? If it if it taken that shot even half a second earlier, it could well have been in the back of the net. One of the things I really really like about Sean Maloney is he's obviously he's obviously a nice guy. Uh, the way he has transformed actually all the players in the team, I think, has been phenomenal. But he's saying and he keeps saying, "We're not there yet. We and certain things are not good enough." He's he's obviously talking about the standards that he wants all the time. And I think we've had even relatively successful managers in the past who perhaps would kind of pussyfoot around some some issues, but he's he's demanding more of them all the time. By and large, up to now, they've responded. And I think that was an example yesterday of where he's going to be saying to them, it's not just about mistakes in defence. It's not just about tracking back. It's not about losing possession. But when you've got chances, you've got to make the most of them. I think that's something else where he just won't be pleased about. Somebody there who's basically got the ball on the plate, I think on the edge of the penalty area, moves into the penalty area, and unfortunately, it uh, it didn't work out. So yeah, I, I'm I'm well up for for Sean Maloney and the, the way the way that he comes across, the way that he talks, and and I think he's going to get that through to the players. I'm still optimistic, but we do need basically points and a half per game don't we, between now and the end of the season? I'm not too disappointed, if I'm being honest. I am disappointed because we've not picked the three points up, but I still thought we had we had a lot of fighting in the team and a lot of that spirit was there. And, and like you said about Sean Maloney, I mean, what he said was he doesn't think we've played well enough to win it, but not we didn't do enough to lose it either. And I agree with that. Penal- the actual penalty incidents, I haven't seen it again. Don't think it was a penalty. And Martin, our Preston North End friend, said exactly the same. He didn't think it was a penalty. I spoke to some Preston fans coming off the ground. They didn't think it was a penalty. So everybody who was at that game yesterday didn't think it was a penalty. In fact, the only person I've 
I know who, who thought it was a penalty, apart from the referee, was Dean Ashton on the TV last night on the ITV highlights. And the other two presenters laughed at him, Joby McEnough and the other guy, laughed at him and said, you're having a laugh, aren't you? How oh, was that a penalty? So, you know, if, if pundits are laughing about it, saying it was a ridiculous decision, and I think that's it. And if we'd have, like you said, Adam, if we'd got to 65 minutes, uh, still winning 1-0, the crowd turn, we win that game. Well, we see it at our place, don't we? It's that, you just get that atmosphere, don't you, where it goes quiet and it's just like those rumblings and then the players pick up on that and then just one, one little mistake leads to booze, doesn't it? And and I think that usually you can see the second goal. And then obviously at Wigan, you then hear that boo, and then everyone turns around, they, they leave early, don't they, for whatever reason. Like I mentioned earlier, the bottom nine yesterday, there were no winners at all. In fact, everybody lost in the bottom nine, bar Rotherham, who didn't play because they play Monday, they play Swansea City. So it's as you were. The only thing different is a game closer to the end of the season. And it, and that time element comes into it. Then we need, like Pete said, we need to start picking up wins. And we've got some tough games on the horizon. We've got Burnley away, Sheffield United away, Watford away. So they're, they're going to be coming thick and fast these games. Uh, so it's imperative, imperative in my opinion, that we start that this next little phase off with a win against Birmingham next Saturday. And speaking of Birmingham City, they've potentially broken EFL rules, which carry a possible points deduction. And a friend of Adam's, sports lawyer and EFL disciplinary panel member, Kevin Carpenter, has kindly sent us a little piece in explaining the trouble that Birmingham City find themselves in. Hello, Progressive Unity Podcast. It's Kevin Carpenter, sports lawyer and Sheffield Wednesday fan. Thanks for having me on the show again to discuss briefly the situation facing Birmingham City and the charge from the EFL this week. Looking at the table now, I see why Adam was keen to have me sort of comment on this scene that Birmingham are in a carious position and being hunted down by Wigan and the other teams at the bottom of the championship. So for those that, that aren't aware, Birmingham were, were charged by the EFL in relation to what they consider to be the beefed up owners and directors test. The test was, was revised and strengthened, particularly following the issue surrounding Berry, which, as you may remember, was where... They were severely criticised by an independent review after what happened to Berry in relation to the fact that the, the, the test was too easy to pass. Um, you could actually take over a club and then retrospectively apply or notify the EFL under the owners and directors test. That's changed under these current regulations which are in the in the EFL handbook. When it comes to Birmingham, this, this relates to a, a failed takeover bid around Christmas time and the fact that the relevant notifications weren't made to the EFL about people that seem to be, and that the EFL have said that they've got a, had a or were acting with a controlling interest in Birmingham City Football Club. The most recent case where we've seen uh, the owners and directors test be um, be applied was uh, one where, in fact, a, a friend of mine, Adams, acted for um, Rochdale AFC, um, and they were given a suspended six points deduction for breaches, seemingly, although we don't have many facts, seemingly quite similar to this. 
and, and it was said by the EFL at the time, by the by the CEO Trevor Birch said that the breaches in the Rochdale case are very serious as it deprived the EFL of the ability to carry out the necessary investigations into the identity of the new owners, their business plans and the source and sufficiency of funding. Said so these sanctions serve as an appropriate reminder to clubs, their officials and potential owners that those requirements can lead to significant consequences if they are disregarded as this case has proved now. I'll leave it to you to say whether a suspended points deduction is a significant consequence. I'm not too sure. And if you look in the media since this statement was made, uh, there is a lot of reference to this Rochdale case as to what the likely outcome might be for Birmingham City. What I would say is, I think if I was the EFL, I would certainly be relying on the fact that Birmingham City's owners, and it doesn't really matter, it's the club obviously who are held responsible, regardless of who the owners are, even for previous misdemeanours. And of course, they've already in the past fell foul of what we call broadly financial fair play. So in 2019, they were docked nine points for breaking the spending rules uh, and then they were also found guilty of failing to stick to an agreed business plan that they put in place for the AFL. Birmingham City are what we call in the legal profession recidivist offenders under the current ownership. It's been a pretty unhappy time, I think, for Birmingham City fans, generally speaking. And there is also, it is said in the media, that the AFL are still investigating under a separate case who are the ultimate beneficial owners of Birmingham City Football Club. So they're a real problem child for the AFL. And so to my mind, although the owners and directors test and these misconduct charges are a separate in nature to financial fair play, there's, there's still obviously a similarity. And if you're bringing up, say, somebody's charge sheet, as we will be here with Birmingham, then I'd, I think it looks it doesn't look good for them. And if I was the EFL, I would be pushing for more than a suspended points deduction. I would be looking for an actual points deduction to apply for the current season due to their other misdemeanours or sort of financial related not not complying with the EFL handbook and the EFL regulations. I suppose the other thing and Wigan fans and myself as a Sheffield Wednesday fan will all, all be all too familiar with is the timing of all this. Will it be possible given the nature of the charges for the EFL to get a disciplinary commission hearing done and then any appeals dealt with by the end of the season? I would say as we're looking at this in mid to late February I would say it's pretty unlikely, really, given my experience these matters, that that the whole process will be concluded before the end of the season um, and whether it could be concluded before the leagues are sort of confirmed for the following season. So are we going to find ourselves in another situation like it was with Sheffield Wednesday where the lawyers acting for Sheffield Wednesday managed to push the issue back towards the end of the season now. It didn't matter in the end because we were relegated anyway on pure sporting performance. But that's where I think, as Latics, I think you'll be, um, although some might have seen it and thought, oh, well, maybe this this will be a point solution this season. This might have a bearing come, come May time. I'm, I'm not so convinced about that, to be honest. I think the time frame is going to be pretty tight to get all of this finished. That's my view on, on what's happened. I hope that's been informative and as and when this case progresses, we finally have a decision at some point, then I'd be happy to come happy to come back on to discuss that with, uh, with the pod. So thanks again for having me on. Wishing you all the best for the rest of the season. It'd be great if uh, you survived and then um, Sheffield Wednesday also got promoted, which is looking pretty good at the moment. And uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing uh, some of some of you on the podcast um, a, a game in the near future. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Yeah, makes some good points, Kevin, really. He's experienced it himself being a Sheffield Wednesday fan, hasn't he? I think he's right. The timing of the charges means that what are the chances of it 
even if the hearings this year, you'd suspect, particularly if there's a point sanction, they'll appeal. Even if it's tactical, they'll appeal. And that then leads to a situation again where the Football League is never happy with a season being decided, if you like, in the boardrooms or the, 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 the courtrooms rather than on the pitch. That said, there was a similar type of situation with the, if you remember the Stevenage and Macclesfield dispute, and in the end on appeal, it meant that Macclesfield went down. They got the two-point deduction, didn't they, for not paying the players. So it can be done. I think the other thing which which Kevin made a good point about was the fact that they seem to be repeat offenders, Birmingham. It might not be the same offence, but they, there's been another. Uh, there's been a number of potential breaches or actual breaches of, of the of the rules. I don't think this is a an absolute certainty that they'll get a financial penalty if they're found guilty. I think there is a chance that they may get a. Points deduction. They are a very naughty club. That's what they are. Very, very naughty. I mean, how do we feel about this, though? Us and Birmingham will level on points at the end of the season. Or, or they give Bir- Birmingham set three-point deduction and they were we were two points behind them. And it relegated them and kept us up. Would we be happy with that? Absolutely. Absolutely we would. Yes, of course. Because you don't want to get relegated, do you? Have they broken the rules this season? Yes. When should they be punished? This season. That's exactly. it. I think the point is that if there's been wrongdoing, then just let, let the process happen. There's no, there's no need to be baying for blood like the Barnsley fans, or see, at least some of them seem to be doing. Just let things happen. And if there has been a rule breach, there is a point deduction, then so be it. Ultimately, it just shows that Birmingham City's owners, because they've done this before, well, not this exact thing, but they've done similar things before that are bad for the club. Ultimately, they're bad owners for the, not only the football club, but for the football league in general. And I do think the EFL, to stop this thing kind of thing from happening again, because there are other owners who probably will try and do this sim- similar sort of thing again in the future, because if the sanctions aren't that bad, they're, they're going to think, all right, okay, whatever, we just get maybe a little bit of a fine that doesn't really impact us, and they will do it again. If Birmingham City were to get a points deduction and it relegated them than us, I think that potentially we need to do muted celebrations because we haven't stayed up on the benefit of being a good football inside. We've, we've gone up because other teams have got a points deduction and that's like not the best way to stay up in the world. But if the evidence is there that they have made mistakes and they've willingly done that consciously knowing that they are making these mistakes, then they need to be sanctioned this season and it can't go on to next season because if you've operated like that this season or last season, the charges can't be one year, two years down the line. It has to impact you this season. Saying that, I would be very, very happy if they do go down and we stay up muted. There's something we can do about this because we play them on Saturday, isn't there? We need to get that uh, meet and greet going properly this this for this week and get them players geared up and get get the fans at the stadium. So we'll talk more about that on Wednesday when we're back. I'm still buzzing. I still think we're going to stop up because there's a lot of spirit in the club. We might not be good enough, but I think that spirit will pull us through. I just wish we could score more than one goal in a game. I agree, Barry. And if we finish fifth bottom, it doesn't matter, does it, if, if Birmingham finish below us? <laughs> That's what we get. Let's target fifth bottom. So until Wednesday, up the ticks. Come on. Up the ticks. Up the ticks. Up the ticks.